Hello, everyone, and welcome to another new perspective, the podcast that brings you wisdoms and perspectives from all walks of life. I have Bob Perry in here with me this morning. He's a client of mine. He's been around for a couple of years, and uh, I consider him a good friend. And uh, something you told me a while back that really kind of struck a nerve, and it's something I've been wanting to really focus my podcast on, is you say that you've gained all this wisdom and all this knowledge over the years, and it seems like nobody wants to listen to what you have to say. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I just want to like, I guess we'll start with, I'll start with the question of, um, you've watched a lot of things change. I mean, we're in a, we're in a insane era of technology right now and all mm-hmm. this, like all these like modern conveniences and luxuries and stuff like that. Is there something now that you use that you appreciate of where we've come to and is there something now that you wish wouldn't be here? Well, I was thinking about this because you threw this question, this idea out to me the last time. And I, it's technology has advanced so much. But I think throughout history, morality is always behind technology. Mm-hmm. So it takes a while for morality to catch up to technology. Then technology moves on again and morality is behind again. Right. So. I think with the advancements in technology, because, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't even have TV. Now right. you have TV, and then, you know, you got the iPads, and you got the advance, advancements made in, me, in medicine, in the medical field. But by the same token, technology has also affected how people communicate with one another, especially with young people. They don't talk. They text. Mm-hmm. They text. Everyone texts. And so... I mean, even, 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 and another thing I've noticed a lot too is that uh, people, the service that you get is just not as good as it used to be either mm-hmm. in stores or places because uh, I don't know whether it's because people weren't educated to do that. Uh, so but I'll give you a little feedback on that because it's something I, I actually experienced myself because I haven't been, I've stayed away from technology and use it as a tool and kind right. of like, guide my way through this and because we only text back and forth with each other we've lost a lot of the ability to have interpersonal communication exactly so we have actually become afraid of having to stand in front of another person and try to figure out what they're thinking how they feel their mannerisms their inflection tone all that stuff so we became we've literally become afraid of each other i i agree and and there's like no communications even one time I was at a ball game with my grandson, and he's a wonderful kid. And so I, I tapped him. I said, because he was on his phone. Mm-hmm. I said, well, "How was school? How was the final? How was the final?" So I'm sitting right next to him. So I get on my telephone and I send him a message. Oh wow! He's sitting right here, <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "You know, Grandpa," I said. But, you know, so, yeah, people, they just don't communicate. They don't know how to communicate. And I feel, I feel bad for the young kids because uh, another thing, when I was growing up, I know this sounds like the good old days, but, I mean, you had so much freedom to play outside yeah. and play. One thing we didn't say, like, so not to interrupt it because it's thing when we give it a good context, is, like, let everybody know how old you are. Right. Was, was okay. So how old are you right now? I'm 81. You're 81. Right. Okay. So that gives you a little context, I guess, from the previous bit of the you know, of right. what we were talking about until right. now. So, right. 
but I, I noticed because sometimes I go into schools and, and mentor because I was a music educator and, and, you know, the kids are practicing lockdown drills. They're hiding under the desk. They're hiding in the closets. And it's like you, ju you just look at them and feel bad for their innocence that they have to worry about all of this stuff, you know? Yeah. So that's I mean, a concern of mine, too, you know? I mean, the most we had was tornado drills and, you know, like right. the normal... Right, you know, safety drills, whatever we had to do for school. Right. We never had any, any right. had to worry about you know come, someone coming in and right. you know shooting up the school or something. So and then also I, I noticed that in the schools they don't even teach the kids how to write anymore. I know I sound yeah. like an old guy, but well, anyway, I, but this is important because I feel like the the context is important. Of you know, right. Right. I was talking about one of my videos the other day because the way I've really what made me realize what I've been building with my company is that um, the level of service that we provide somebody, right? right? You're talking about the difference in customer service, but for right. me, like, I remember the very tail end of them coming out and cleaning your windshield for you when you when you got gas, right? And filled your tank up for you and kicked your tires, right, checked right, your oil, right, that type right, of right. thing, right? So, I think building my company, I like to preserve or say that I've I've taken some of the the nuggets, some of the, the, the Right. cherished pieces from the past. Right. But I love the future. I love where technology is going. I think that right. it could be a great thing. But we have to find balance in there of like right. still taking care of each other and carrying, you know, that level of service right. and then and then Well it's, it's interesting you say that because my wife and I uh, are Christians and to me one of the greatest things a gift is serving. Mm-hmm. Because when you're serving, you think you are doing something for someone, but it comes back to you way more than what you thought you were giving. Mm -hmm. And my son is like a vice president of a company, and his company has is, is, is done so well because he's always thought about service. If he says, I can get you this product in three days, that product's there in three days. Whereas sometimes he has to deal with other companies and say, I'll, I'll get you this stuff in a week, John, and it's like 10 days and no one calls him and it's late right, and it's exactly. wrong packages and it's going to go back. And so that's missing too. Yeah. No. I, we were at a grocery store. This is the truth. I'm not going to mention the, the, the store, but this is the truth. I think my bill came out to $16.73. So I gave the girl a $20 bill. So she looked shocked. She says, you're not going to use a credit card? I said, no. So she looked shocked. So she opened a cash register and, and she gave me back a quarter. I said, you owe me $3 and this quarter and you owe me two more pennies. She didn't know what they were. They know that she, she, didn't know she didn't know. She didn't. She had to call someone over. She, so I felt bad for her that they would put her on a cash register. Huh. And and she, she had no idea of currency, at all. So. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. uh, you know, because I you always hear about the one too where like you give over the amount. Right. Where, like say it was, you know, twenty dollars. Right. Whatever sense, and then you give them a little like twenty dollars and a quarter or right. whatever it is, you know, to give it to to round it up a little right. bit. 
Well, again, when you do that, most of the time they don't know what to, if, if the cash register didn't tell them what to give back. Yeah. Because we ran a, a store, a campground store. Okay. In Cape Cod. And the cash register I, I wanted was a real old one. And it, it didn't tell you what to give back. Right. You had to know so how to do it. We had to know back. how to do it. And we had some college kids who, who worked for us and they couldn't do it. They had to get a calculator. If the bill was like, like you said, if it was like, say, twenty dollars and say it was nineteen dollars and twenty five cents, mm-hmm. and the person gave them like twenty dollars and a quarter, right? They you know to get the didn't know what they didn't know what to do. Yeah, they didn't know what to do. Yeah. So, my my father had a business, a restaurant, and he always told everyone that worked for him, the customer's always right. Even though you might think they did something, you know, disagreeable with you, mm-hmm. they're always right. Treat them like they're always right. Yeah. So. There's a balance to that, too, that I see because there's a lot of, um, we get too much into the customer and then we forget about our employees now, too. Right. So it's like um, what I see a lot of times yeah, okay. humanity likes right. to go to the extreme. They never, right. we, don't, we don't know how to balance things. So we're like, now we went all the way to one end. And now yeah. the employees are like, yeah, we don't, we don't care about you. Yeah. But then the employees are your front line to your customer. Yeah. So it's like. Well, that's, I guess that's the morality thing again. We haven't yeah. caught up because, again, everyone's so sensitive now. Yeah. I mean, everyone like, gets offended by. And I know, I know there's a lot of bullying and all of that, but, but everyone's like, so sensitive. Yeah. Well, I think Gary Vee, um, he's a guy I listen to a lot on online, and he talks about like the the entitlement thing that we started doing, right. where there was no there's no loss, there was no struggle because everybody right. got everybody got a trophy, and everybody right. got a ribbon, and like right. I saw it with my nieces and nephews playing soccer. They're like, well, we don't keep score, so everybody nobody knows who won or lost. And I was like, <laughs> but they knew they put goals in, so obviously somebody <laughs> won and somebody lost. Right. So like, right. Right. why aren't you telling them that they lost? Right. Right. So then. You get offended because now you've never had to experience right. hardship or, right. or like you know a, a sense right. of loss right. or a no, right. and you don't know how to deal with a loss. Right. I mean, cause I was a teacher, and I used to tell the kids, you know, if you if you fail and you run up against the wall, you get up and you try again, and you you run against the wall, you know what? Dig a hole. Can't go under the ground. Can't dig a hole. Go up over. Go over the roof or something, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, when my when one of my sons was a good basketball player, and I, I told him from the very beginning, and my wife, I said, "Look, I'll go to all his games, but I'm not going to his award night where every kid gets a jacket and a basketball and every kid get like you said. Yeah, you everybody know? gets all of it. Yeah, I said yeah. I'll be at all his games, and you know I'll be I'll be encouraging him, but. He doesn't yeah. need. He doesn't and need another safe. jacket. He doesn't because yeah. he had stuff. He had trophies and right. It's an eighth place trophy for everybody. Right. You know, like everybody right. gets a trophy because everybody right. wins. Right. Well, no, I, everybody doesn't win. Well, know, even right. my last year's teaching, I retired in two thousand and one. We had to always say something positive. So I was the band director, and I would say, and "We're playing something." And, and my my thoughts were, it wasn't it wasn't a trophy. If we went to a festival, it wasn't a trophy that was important. It was how did we do our best. 
Mm-hmm. If we did our best, we would do well. If we didn't, that was my question. If we didn't do our best, why didn't we do our best? So, right. um, but I mean, sometimes we'd be playing something, I'd stop and say, that was terrible. I wasn't supposed to say, that's terrible. I said, but you know what? I like your shoes, you have nice shoes, <laughs> you have a nice shirt, but you played terrible. Yeah. So. Um, you need to hear that. I mean, yeah. you need to hear that growing up because that, that, that struggle. So like some of the work that I do, the constraint work that right, I do with right. movement and stuff, there was, um, I talked to this guy because he trains professional athletes using some of the same ideas. Right. And he said there's a failure rate that they studied with doing research with all of it is that there has to be a 33% failure rate. Right. So you need 67% where you actually win. Right. You know, that's the positive reinforcement. Right. But you're not learning unless you're failing. Right. And right. that's that 33% that you have to lose right. in order to get better right. at it. Right, because to, get, to get, get up and try again. You, right. don't, you don't quit. Right. You, you figure out... We've been married almost, in, well, in four days we'd be married 60, 60 years. Oh, wow. But it was never, the marriage was never about, oh, man. It was like, okay, we got a problem, we got to solve it. And it was never like me ever thinking, this, this marriage is not working. It's like, we have, a, we have an issue, we need, we need to get to the other end of this thing, you know? Right. That's why so, I always liked uh, Winston Churchill. And I actually just said it to a uh, woman this morning when I was doing a video. And, yeah. you know, he said, uh, when you're going through hell, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I always really liked that one because it's like, yeah. you know, the good is on the other side of the struggle. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's working and working and working and, and, deal, and taking the losses and taking the no's and, yeah. and all that. And you get to the other end and you're like, holy cow, I did it. Right. Like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. Look what I've accomplished. And that, that's a test, too, you know. I mean, when you, I think when you really look at the great, Athletes or the great musicians or the great dancers or the great painters—they, they had failure, but they didn't give up. They just mm-hmm. kept going. I, I marvel at the people that sometimes have handicaps and and. Well, the Paralympics are one of my favorite things to watch. Have you ever watched that? The Paralympics. They're, uh, uh, it's all um, amputees and you know. Different yeah, certain right. situations, like right. one of the women that I saw swim with no legs, you know. And, right. Um, I have a, a friend of mine, or I was, her dad was a teacher of mine in massage school, and she okay. was she would end up being partially paralyzed. But she, instead of just giving up in life, she actually plays for the women's Olympic uh, right. wheelchair basketball team. Wow. Yeah. You know, so you take this situation and you're going, well, I mean, right. I could give up. Right. Or go, well, what can I do with my situation that I'm in? Right. And, and, do something else with it. Well, one, one thing I always remember there was, uh, I think, one of the popes, two popes ago, was visiting, I think, like Puerto Rico or something. And he had, he, he loved the young people, so he had audience with the young people. Mm-hmm. And there was a young man playing guitar and singing for him. And the man had no arms. Oh, really? And the guitar was on the floor, and he was strutting. <laughs> His toes were just as good as his fingers, and he was plucking and strutting and singing. Oh, and I was saying to myself, if a kid came up to me at, in a high school and said, Mr. Perry, I want to play trumpet, and I said to him, you have no arms. How are you going to play? How are you going to play guitar? Yeah. Have you thought about chorus? Right. But, you know, this kid, I mean, people find a way around stuff, you know. Yeah. So. No, the human body's amazing. 
Yeah. Like it's really like yeah. if you put the time into it and just keep yeah. working it, on something. It adapts, right? Yeah. 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 It just yeah. keeps like figuring it out and figuring it out. And you yeah. like, um, I heard it as like uh, refinement, right? That's really what you're doing is like the more you keep doing, you're refining down, right. you're polishing it. Right. We're refining the system right, down right. to where it's like, oh, right. here's this is just it. Like, I'm, yeah, it's interesting you say that because when I, because I, I, I loved what I, I did. I was a music director, and when I'm working on a concert band piece, yeah, real, and I chose difficult pieces, good literature, and it was exactly that. It was like a big boulder, this big pile of stuff, and then mm-hmm. I kept refining and refining and refining and refining and refining. You know, yeah, till you get it where it's supposed to be, you know, but it took a while and the kids enjoyed that. You know? Right. It's like, so. come on, we almost got to know you a little bit more of that and you're like, yeah. you're like carving this thing out. It's almost right. like um, when they say, you know, a sculptor is, re- right. is removing stone to reveal, right. you know, what he's been working on. I had one student who, uh, we were playing a piece in jazz band and it was really difficult. He had a trumpet solo and he said to me, uh, and the, t- the, the trumpet solo is supposed to be quite fast like a tempo of 144, which is pretty fast. And he said to me, well, in rehearsal today, Mr. Perry, I, I got my solo at 90. Okay. And then a week later, I got my solo up to 108. Okay. okay. Yeah. And then a week later, I got my solo up to 120. And I was patient with him because I knew this kid was working on this thing. Right. I mean, that's a steady right. progression. Right. So I went with every tempo he told me, and finally we got to where it was supposed to be. I said, wow, good for you. I yeah. mean, take take that throughout your whole life. Right. You know? Well, that's why there's a way I've been explaining this to people recently, and I asked them this question. I was like, do you remember learning how to walk? And I'm like, well, no. No. Because you're too young, it. right? But... There was no difference in if the perspective was you were learning how to walk and you're constantly falling over and banging into things and tripping over this right. and all that. Right. And but all the people around you were like, "Come on, you can do it! Come on, you can do it!" Your right. mom's like, "Everybody's encouraging you to right. Like, right. keep walking or keep trying." Right. Right. But what if the role was the same as what we deal with in our adult lives, whereas we're learning how to walk and do this thing we've never done before and we keep falling over and falling over? Right. That her mom would go, you know what? I think you just give up. Like this walking <laughs> thing isn't for you. Right, like I can't right. take you anywhere. You're right. walking around like a right. drunkard. Like you're embarrassing right. me. Right. You know, you probably should just stop. Right. Right. But we don't. Like at, at that age, we're like, come on, come on, come on, come on, keep you going. Make it. Yeah. Yeah. But then, at what point in our adult life do we go? Yeah. You know, that idea is stupid. Like I wouldn't do that if I were you. Like you know. Yeah. Your way. Yeah. That's that's not, that's not the best way to yeah. do that. Also, too, when you're younger, I think you walk without your parents even being around you're, you're trying to walk when you're supposed to be laying down in bed you know and, right. and your parents <laughs> see you falling over and they probably say well. so a lot of that you is part of like just natural yeah uh, it, it, it's interesting you mention that because I had another student who was who was uh, not doing well in other classes so one of the science teachers came up to me how can you keep this kid in band you know, he's not doing well. I said, so you want me to throw him out of band and something that he can do well? So yeah. he can just do it. So throw him out of band, and then you think he's going to do better in science because we threw him out of something he really enjoys? So I talked I talked to the kid and tried to. And then he still didn't do 
he still didn't do well, but I mean, I kept him in the band, but he was he was a, a different kind of a boy. So the second time I talked to him, I said, I've got an idea for you. He said, what's that? I said, I think you should quit school now. What do you mean? I said, look, I think you should get quit school now, go to McDonald's, and you'll probably be on a fryer later. And by the time your buddies graduate from high school, they'll probably move you up to, like, French fries. Think about that. You'll be making $2 <laughs> an hour. He said, no, I don't want that. I said, why? He said, I can do better than that. I said, okay, we're waiting. You know? Yeah. So I, so I took, like, the opposite approach with him to get him mad. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, sometimes we need a little wake-up call. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I mean, the world needs a little bit of a wake-up call yeah, right now. And yeah. I think, like what we talked about earlier, the communication piece and the morality. Right. You know, it's like, if we can figure out how to get people to communicate again. Like, right. so the, the way I see technology for right. myself is that I use the phone as more of a tool than a toy. Right. And I'm not saying the phone can't be a toy. Right. for pleasant distractions or playing a game from time to time right. or whatever, but there's no balance to it right now. And I think right. most people are using it as like a a, a toy or, or a constant distraction. Right. You know, and a constant use of, you know, communication only through that device because it's like right. their, it's their only thing. But if you can balance out the idea that I see the world as a, as a giant perspective, right? The world's infinite. Yeah. Right. Right, so I walk out here, and the whole world's out in front of me. Right, like the forest is out in front of me, the cars right. are around people, right. and everything like that. And I'm just in this world out in front of me. Right. And then if I need to grab some information, or want to learn something, I can zoom in, grab the information off my my iPad right. or my right. phone or whatever, and then zoom back out and apply it to something immediately in my life. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that would be the balance of you know, you know, I want to take a break from all of this out here. Yeah. And come into my own little world and play my game. Yeah. And then, but I, I'm going to put this down and then go back out here. So one thing my girlfriend does with her phone. So if we go out for gro groceries or mm. to dinner or whatever like that, her phone is on her. But she goes, my phone's on me, but I consider myself away from home. So I don't check my phone. Right. Right. So I have it in case of an emergency, but it's right. no different than having a landline back right. in the day. You left right. your house and right. you'll be able to contact you. Yeah. Yeah. So, if we can find that balance somewhere, I think yeah, that, that's well, where the morality. I, that's the way I treat the phone. But the the other thing too, but this takes us into a different area. But our country is so divided. It, I mean, you can't you can't even talk to people sometimes about something that I might disagree with you on. We mm -hmm. can't even have an intelligent conversation about. But that comes why. back to the um, being afraid of each other. Yeah. Right, because we've driven everything into the into digital only, so we're only like communicating word to word, and there's no. A lot of people don't realize this when you read a text or read an email, right. you don't read it how the person sent it. You read it how you feel. Yeah, yeah. Right. So now, if I sent you something even online or by text that says I don't dis I disagree with you, this is how I see it. Mm. Now you just that offend that offended piece. It's like I feel insecure. So I'm going to read it as I feel insecure and you're yeah. attacking me. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Right? So yeah. then now to discuss something face-to-face, -face, now we're afraid of each other because we don't communicate face-to-face. -face. Right. So now if you say anything, I'm just going to, to tight-lip it and not say anything back. Yeah. 
Right. So I think there's there's that there's that piece like we have to pull people back out of their little dream world. Right. I love technology. Like I'm building some of the, the cutting edge things in technology, but you know we have to find that balance of we still need to be humans and communicate yeah. together yeah. and like yeah. interact together. Yeah. So because we're we're innately social creatures. Right. We need tribes of people and like. Right. genuine caring relationships and love and right. hugs and all this kind right. of stuff right. but we're driving each other into these single little electronic bots yeah. because one of the biggest problems we have in the world right now is loneliness right yeah. but everybody's connected how are you so lonely if you're all connected yeah. yeah yeah because you run this thing by yourself and you're not talking to people you're not talking to anybody you're not getting a hug from somebody right. you're not having a conversation with somebody right, right. so yeah. you're creating that loneliness feeling yeah and that drives us into the, into the opiate thing and drives us into addictions and stuff because that comes from lack of connection. Yeah. Our so there's so many little ties to it. Yeah, our lack of feeling good inside that you need something else, you know? Yeah. Well, there was um, one of the quotes I heard a year or so ago that really, really caught me and it took me a while to really fully understand it. But it said, you only keep what you give. And I was like, okay. well, how do you keep what you give? And it's like, you're not keeping, you're, you're giving something to somebody yeah. and keeping the feeling right. of what you did to give it. That's to serving. Serving, exactly. Because yeah. in the town that I lived in, used to, every day I went by a church and I loved it. It said, as you drove in, it says, into worship. And as you drove out, it says, out to serve. Oh, wow. Into okay. worship, out to serve. You know, you might want to catch a, a, a guy by the name of Chris Heron, H-E-R-R-E-N. Okay. And if you type that in on... By YouTube. On, or yeah. Because he, he, <clears throat> he, 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 he gives talks <clears throat> to over a million kids. <clears throat> he, was a ba- he was a basketball player from the city of Fall River. And then he went... And, and then he ended up playing for the Boston Celtics. <clears throat> and, but then he ended up on such a drug problem. Oh, okay. And so now, uh, it's interesting now. I mean, what he went through is like... But I think you would really enjoy it. The, the one you really want to catch is uh, The First Day. I think it's called The First Day. Okay. Because there's another one that talks about, takes you through what he went through. But the first day is he's talking to kids in high schools about, you know, when I, when I was your age and they, we, they dragged us into the gymnasium to listen to a guy that listened to some man that was on drugs and, and then he would show pictures of, him, of other people on drugs. He says, he said I, I know what it felt like. He said, but let me tell you something. That first day, I didn't think I would be what I am today, you know? Mm-hmm. All the people that ended up on drugs didn't think they would be there. So I think you would re- I, it ties in with what you're talking about now because yeah. he really is a great speaker. That's awesome. And, and he actually is a, he is a cousin of my, one of my daughter-in-laws. And, uh, and I know him. I saw him play basketball. Okay. And, and my son played basketball. This guy was a star. Now, what's interesting about this, too, is that... <clears throat> When I think about this guy's life, he could he could have been a multi, could be a multimillionaire from basketball. But I think God said, mm, "I got other plans for you. Yeah. Take you through this path." He's impacted more lives 
He's talked to probably two million kids by now. He's impacted more lives by not playing basketball. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And it kind of ties in what what you're talking about here, too, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I definitely want to get you back. Um, We're a little short on time today, but um, get you back in. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I did, too. I I love stuff like this. Yeah. So So let's do that. Let's figure out another time where we can do a little longer, maybe an hour, and then just kind of really dive deep into some conversations and perspectives and stuff. So. Uh, one last thing before we go, but yeah, my, my my wife and kids got me on Facebook about okay. a month ago, and you know I, I resisted all, but it's been it's been so great to to communicate with my past students who have contacted me, and now we're on telephone. I mean, to to have a, a second chance to. Yeah, to, to meet with these kids, right? And that's that. That's 30, a, 40, they, 50, one girl wrote back and said, "Mr. Perry, I'm 64 years old." That's wild. You know? Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, and and but she, that's the positives of the technology yeah. that we have that we can do that with. She was yeah. she was one of my first trumpet students at the junior high school. Okay, and so she's now a brand new teacher. She's coming in for her first lesson, and she comes in and she's on a horse. She's on a horse. <laughs> she rides the horse, and I said, Melanie, you got to park that thing outside. I mean, you could. So I mean, uh, so I got the point I'm making is his technology, but it's giving me a second chance to recommunicate with kids that I really loved. Yeah. And they and they seem like they got some really good experiences from the whole program and friendships. So. That's good. And yeah. you, you definitely, you know, I, I've had that experience. I actually coached yeah. girls right. soccer for five years yeah. from 9 to 14. I'm pretty much all the same yeah. girls from 9 to right. 14. Right. And it was that same feeling. It's like, right. you know, I watched them. I have some of them on Facebook still. Right. And I've watched them. When some of them were getting That's married. Right. And, like, right. Right. they're teachers now. And they're all these right. different, like, jobs and careers and, and yeah. all that. And it's just pretty yeah. amazing to watch, like, you know, you had this, like, you gave them this little seed right. to like work from, and then to watch like how they grow, you know, how they grow up, and like I get to see like them posting quotes and stuff. And I gave them like when I was a coach, I made these little books of quotes for them. I handed them right, all, right. you know stuff, and now I see them like posting quotes on Facebook right. or different things like that. And it's like, yeah. man, like how much of that did I do? How much, yeah. you know, how much affected you out on somebody? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's the beauty of working with uh, working yeah, with yeah. younger people. Yeah, yeah. So, I love it. Love it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate coming in, and uh, we'll be back again soon. Okay. All right. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. I look forward to sharing more with you on future episodes. If you need to contact me, you can reach me at anothernewperspective101 at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Have an awesome day.